0: Welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as The Balance Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. Oh my gosh, you guys, I've just had the best day. I don't know about you, but networking, making new friends in my industry and opening myself up to new opportunities just really makes my day. Anyway, I've had one of those days and it all started with meeting someone who I've stalked on Instagram for quite some time, Dr. Andrea Robertson. Andrea is the owner of Southside Clinic, home of the Bar Clinic in Adelaide. Dr. Andrea is an osteopath, a nutritionist, and my new best friend. You know those people that you meet for the first time and you feel like you've known them for years? Yeah, well, I had that experience this morning. I usually take a few days to get to the editing process of an episode, but with Andrea's conversation, I'm so pumped that I'm literally sitting in my hotel room right now, overlooking Adelaide, um and editing less than 24 hours later yes I have a bit of a girl crush we spoke about many things I'm passionate about thoughts on nutrition pre and post class snacks we even assessed what I eat in a day which was really interesting then we deep dived into what exactly an osteopath actually does and the importance of conditioning managing and listening to your body We touch on exercises for pre-point assessment and the importance of teachers not body shaming their students. So in a nutshell, I loved every bit of our chat and left feeling super inspired and motivated to keep pushing the whole foods and healthy bodies message. You also have to check out the Balance Ballerinas Instagram because as you'll hear in our interview, I pull out my camera to film Andrea And she did such a great job of holding the microphone whilst demonstrating exercises. It was hilarious. Now, my review of the week goes out to Lotta from the Netherlands. I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Sorry if I'm not. But she says, hi, Georgia. I just wanted to say that I just started listening to your podcast and I absolutely love it. It's so inspiring and motivating. Thanks for doing this. You're absolutely welcome, Lotta." I will definitely continue as I'm having so much fun doing the podcast. So thank you. Anyway, let's get to this week's episode. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed interviewing the lovely Dr. Andrea Robertson. So, did you go to see Natalia Osipova last night?
1: No, but I'm seeing her tonight.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm so
1: jealous. (laughs) Because you're here at the right time. I
0: know, and I only found out about it two weeks ago. And I knew you were going to see a performance, because I think, were we going to meet tonight maybe, originally? No, last
1: night, but I was seeing a comedy oh. show at the Fringe last night. Oh, okay,
0: so you're just <laughs> super cultural and had comedy on last night too. Okay. It was Hans the
1: German. Did you oh, see him on America's Got Talent? I have no it's idea. It's a local Adelaide is. guy who um, dresses up in sequins and converts every kind of pop song into a German polka.
0: Lovely. It's <laughs> fab. <laughs> and then, so tonight, you're, I'm so jealous. And tonight, I'm
1: seeing two feet.
0: <sighs> I tried to get tickets. It was sold out. So,
1: yeah, it's been sold out for weeks, yep. probably they months.
0: Had, they had one left about a week ago, and I was umming and ahhing because we're we're going to a dinner after this seminar that I'm here yeah. for. And I was like, maybe I can skip and not be social and go see Natalia <laughs> <laughs> by myself. <laughs> anyway, you'll have to let me know. I will let you all know. about it. I'm so jealous. She's one of four my o'clock favorites. this
1: afternoon. I'll be there.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, have the best time. Thank you. I will. Well, Miss Andrea Robertson, could you please um, give the listeners a little rundown on who you are and what you do?
1: Uh, absolutely. So um, I guess we should tell the listeners how we met, Georgia. So let's, we, let's do that. We met on Instagram, stalking each other, and I was having massive fangirl moments about you, Georgia, because I love what, I love what you're doing. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> I really upped my Instagram stakes in the last six months because I'm launching, some, <laughs> launching some online businesses at the moment. Um, but my background really is, um, since I was three, I've danced mm-hmm. my, I've really trained highly in classical ballet and in the Vaganova method. This is why we're now best friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I danced in um, classical ballet till I was 18, but I grew too tall to be a ballerina and went into the world of cabaret and musical theatre instead. And so for my dance career, I danced professionally for 13 years yeah. and was at the Moulin Rouge in Paris as a soloist and lots of gigs in Sydney and... Um, I danced in Europe for a year in a show in Spain called Sonoma and on cruise ships in the States. So I've kind of done all of that, but I retired 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and moved to Adelaide to open this practice. Mm -hmm. And I went straight from um, school to uni. And I should tell this story because it's kind of sad, but it's nice for dancers to hear because my mum and dad really wanted me to finish school before I tried to have a career in classical ballet. And um, so the day I finished my year 12 exams, I went down to Melbourne and did class with Christine Walsh yeah. the night before my audition for the Australian Ballet School. And I rolled my ankle and broke my foot in a glissade right at the end of the class. Oh, and you broke so it. I broke it. <laughs> so that's like sliding doors moment, you know, so I didn't go to the audition. Didn't obviously get in and I'd been doing class there all the time and Gaylene Stock said, you know, you have a place but you're too tall to ever dance in Australia but we'll put you through the school yeah. but you've just got to do the audition. Anyway, so I went to uni instead and became an osteopath. Yeah. And it was through that... So,
0: how old were you now?
1: How m- Now?
0: No, 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 sorry. Um, <laughs> At this stage when uh, you broke your ankle. This was like rental. 18, you know, yeah. finishing year yeah. 12, okay. just turned
1: 18 I think. And so, I went to uni and in Melbourne discovered the other... World of dance, mm-hmm. and so that was kind of my work all the way through uni. Yeah, and then when I finished studying osteo, which was um, I was at uni for six years, the Moulin Rouge came to Australia and auditioned, and so then I oh. went over to Europe and did that. But I was already an osteopath.
0: Gotcha. Because I was going to ask, did you w- did you have your degree before you went, or did you do it after your career? Yeah, before, yeah. which is kind
1: of really unusual for dancers to have. Very that unusual,
0: most go to university after. But I'm really can.
1: grateful. And so I took my portable treatment table with me to Paris and I used to have a little business on the side treating oh, all the dancers so in the good. show. Yeah. And then all the other shows used to come and tra- see me for dan- um, treatments as well. So I used to have the Lido girls and the Paradis Latan crew and the Moulin crew all come for treatments. Oh,
0: that's so good. <laughs> so
1: that's kind of my background there and with dance. And then um, in the last 11 years, I've been here in Adelaide with my clinic and it's a big mm-hmm. allied health clinic. We have osteopaths, physios.
0: I just got a tour. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm so jealous of this space. It's so fantastic. It's like a dream. There's studios, there's clinic rooms, there's herbs and cupboards in the corners of this. St- oh, it's amazing. I love it.
1: And so here now we have... Um, I've also... I don't, where will I go? I've also um, qualified just in the last 12 months to be a naturopath and nutritionist. So I've been studying yes. for the last five years with that. Wow. And I love that. So it's another little element mm-hmm. to add in. But um, the last six years I've had a bar studio. So I was one of the first kind of people in Australia and started with the Extend Bar brand. So a yeah. girlfriend of mine from the Moulin Rouge, Raquel, started that in Australia and I kind of jumped on the bandwagon with yeah. her in the early days of bar. And um, and then 18 months ago, went out on my own and developed mm-hmm. my own program called the Bar Clinic, which... I have then gone on to develop a teacher training course. So we yeah. have a really great online teacher training course for people to learn to be bar instructors. And my next little project that will launch perhaps hopefully in four weeks <laughs> is an online studio called TBC nice. TV, which will have classes for people for to do everyone. anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's Online. awesome! Yeah,
0: fantastic. And so your um your studio overall is called Southside Clinic. For the anyone the that studio, wants to work yeah you
1: the the Allied Health part, Southside like yep. Southside Clinic, and the studio and classes, the Bar Clinic. Cool, I
0: love it. It's like everything everything you need under one roof. Yeah, and
1: everything I love and I'm passionate exactly. about under one roof. It's
0: fantastic. Well, we are going to get into the nutrition side first of things, so. I mean there's so many differing thoughts and opinions on nutrition and what what does that even mean so let's hear your thoughts and you know what areas you research in regards to nutrition yeah
1: so I find with nutrition there's not there's no answers because every single human body is completely different Mm -hmm. and something that's right for you Georgia won't be right for me and something that's right for you won't be right for your students so it's really hard for people to get the right nutritional advice because there's so much conflicting advice and evidence out there. So, like, how do you make a decision around that? Mm-hmm. And I've really learned by working with clients over the years because even before I did my nutrition degree, I used to run a nutrition program for Extend Bar Studios all over the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and really my, my take-home message to everybody was learn to listen to your body. So, like, play and trial different things, but you've got to see how it feels in your body. So some people might be better gluten-free, some people might have a lactose intolerance and they might be better not having too much dairy. Um, Some people might be better being vegetarian and some people can't, they need to eat meat. So there's no, I don't believe there's any rules other than one.
0: (laughs) There has to be a
2: rule. (laughs) Which
1: I really believe everyone should eat real food. So not having anything with numbers and preservatives and additives and colorings in it. So my number one rule, I really teach people to, when they go to the supermarket, turn the back of the packet of food over and look at the ingredients list. And if it has anything in brackets with little numbers, you don't have it. And there's always an option. Mm. Like you go to the supermarket and look for a can of tin tomatoes and like 90% of the tins will have numbers on the back but there'll be one or two that don't and so they're yeah. the ones you'll learn to get and so the first time you go to the supermarket it takes forever because yeah. you're reading everything but then you start to learn which brands are okay and yeah yeah so that's kind of my really own number one rule because additives fla- uh, colorings preservatives it all starts to cause over time systemic inflammation within the body yeah. and every chronic disease is linked with systemic inflammation plus for dancers a lot of um If you roll your ankle or have a little injury pull a hamstring trying to do a batman or something your body won't heal as well if it's an underlying state of systemic inflammation Mm -hmm. underneath that
0: okay yeah because for every um health practitioner out there you know saying um whole foods and you know all the good stuff there's a little bit of a trend especially with pts i find oh it doesn't matter where the calories come from as long as you're hitting those calories or and i'm like oh i don't think so <laughs> so am i on the right path in saying like i don't think that's the case like it really does matter that's that they're a, coming from yeah i've seen it a lot lately
1: like, yeah well i certainly do not believe in calorie counting yeah, at all like, exactly that's an, in the first place yeah, yeah. that's the number one thing i don't even talk to people about calories anymore um there are exceptions to that rule too though <laughs> but most of the time
0: there's always an exception to the rule like your head has to be placed over this foot except except for when yeah no I get it
1: (laughs) so most of the time we don't talk about calories except sometimes yeah um but um when would you talk about calories oh only in instances of people who need to lose or want to lose a lot of weight okay for more like obese people yeah because that's my thoughts like if
0: you're if you're a healthy weight and you know you start just fueling yourself with the right foods, you're on the right path. You don't need to be counting. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's more just in really obese people that we're trying to prevent type 2 type, type two diabetes or something like that. Okay. Most likely not your not demographic.
0: Your de- <laughs> no, not, not my demographic. So we don't need to talk about calories, guys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. It's more about just eating foods from all different um, variety of massive foods. Yeah. I find perhaps some PTs start to emphasise a little bit about um, – if you eat protein and greens, like I see that pattern a lot with people that come in to see me, protein and greens, protein and greens, protein and greens, and it will work for most people to lose weight, but it doesn't work for everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, and especially for women and young girls, if you're not having a range of different colored vegetables, you're not getting all the nutrients and minerals that you need, and then it can create all sorts of havoc with your hormones, yeah. hormone imbalances. And so, my number one thing too, often when I get people in is to talk about eating food from all the different colours of the rainbow. And I've got a great handout which I'll give to you, Georgia. Thank I don't you. know if you can share with, any, with I your I can listeners definitely or not. pop it
0: up on the blog. Perfect. Let's do Done. that. Done. Let's do that. Um, but I have a – can I tell you yeah. about one
1: client who yeah. came in and she was put on a clean eating diet at her yeah. gym as part of a eight-week challenge or something. Yeah. And she ha- it was really limited to protein, meat protein, like chicken and mm-hmm. steak or whatever and um, green vegetables and a couple of berries. Like that was the limitation plus nuts. They so were allowed to have nuts, I think. Yeah. And she came in after only three weeks of being on that diet and she was lethargic, which means really tired. She had no energy. She had pimples all over it, sort of like around her chin, which is really hormonal pimples. Her periods went completely haywire, like went regular and had pain and sore breasts and it was terrible anyway really the only thing she needed to do was to add more colored veggies back in yeah so she did and within three weeks she felt amazing so for her that was just not, not the right path. not the right path but for some people it's good you well, know it's good that
0: she did come in and you know see yeah. you and yeah and get that sorted because yeah. a lot of people sometimes i guess would think oh this might just be a you know, because was she losing any weight or no. anything? Like, oh, no. Okay. No, because
1: no. Yeah. it just wasn't right for her body at all. Like yeah. It just didn't work.
0: Yeah, because sometimes yeah. if you are losing the weight and you are feeling lethargic, though, it's like, oh, this is just like a got to get through this phase period. And it's like, well, no, not really. Yeah. You're supposed to feel better. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're supposed and that, to feel energized. Yeah,
1: and you need to listen to your body. Like, really, the number one thing, like, am I eating this food as a fuel to make me feel good mm. or do I eat it and it makes me feel bad? Like, do I feel tired afterwards? Do I feel bloated? Like... It's almost like doing detective work on your body when you eat is the best way to work out how your body likes to eat. Yeah.
0: It's such a simple piece of advice, but I feel like a lot of people don't listen to their bodies. They don't, or they don't know how to. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think like when I've done programs with clients, like I, I love it for a little while if people... Eliminate sugar, processed sugar, so not natural sugars like fruit, but eliminating processed sugars like chocolate, yeah, and cakes and biscuits. I love chocolate. <laughs> Me too. But You're I'm doing, on a chocolate ban. <laughs> you know about this, Is Georgia. It for the year? One year with no chocolate. Because I going? have an all or nothing <laughs> relationship oh, with that's chocolate. That's
0: why I don't buy I don't buy chocolate or ice cream because it's all gone. Yes. Like if I yeah. Yeah.
1: No. So my husband has chocolate in the house all the time oh. and it's really hard because when he before we met, I didn't have chocolate in the house, I didn't eat it. Mm-hmm. He moved in, I ate chocolate. So I thought I have to ban it and he said to me, why do you have to be so extreme, like just have a little bit? Because I can't no have, have a little bit. There's no little bit. It's like, the I'm whole an all block. in girl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if so there's anyway. a block, I'm going to conquer it. So that's
1: why I'm all in with no chocolate for one year. And I'm, what is it, March now? And I'm doing fine.
0: Good. Yeah. Husbands and boyfriends are the worst. They are. They, yeah. <laughs> in regards to your diet. So what were we talking about? I've decided. No, okay. What were we talking
1: about before chocolate?
0: I don't know. But how about we have a chat about, first of all, your nutritional tips for a younger dancer. Yes. So let's say like you're 10 to 18 years, 10 to 17, that kind of age group where, you know, bodies are starting to change. Um, they're starting to get quite picky as well. I have yeah. a lot of parents that go, Oh, Georgia, like you eat really well. Can you rub off on so and so? She's really yeah, picky. picky, she's not, you know, eating enough and she's really tired because she's not, you know, if she does eat something, she's eating the wrong thing. So yeah. what would your tips be?
1: Yes. I, I I don't have children, so I don't know how challenging it can Neither, be sometimes. So I'm just like, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't force know. her. <laughs> <laughs> Give her nothing else. <laughs> So I don't know how really personally how to deal with picky kids, but um, I guess if they are really keen on dance and they are educated about what helps them have the energy to dance well Mm -hmm. and what foods help them have – the best health within their own bodies is when they'll feel the best and look the best for them. And so that really comes back to that not eating any crappy food, so eating real food Mm -hmm. and eating from the outside of the supermarket so all the fruits and vegetables and not too much from the inside aisles. But when you do eat from the inside aisles, it's eating um, the food without any numbers in it. But really eating a balanced diet, not too much of anything, not too little of anything. And I think it's really... Um, the more educated we are and our kids are about food, the better choices they'll make. Mm-hmm. So I think if you can educate your kids at the studio or the parents can educate their kids on what is a good fat and what's a bad fat, what's a carbohydrate food and what's a protein food, mm-hmm. then they learn to know that they have they don't have the bad fats. They have a balance of good fats, protein and carbohydrates in every meal mm-hmm. and that's where they'll get the energy and nutrients from and that's when their body is adapted to eat all those three macronutrients because that's what our bodies are designed for yeah. to eat carbohydrates proteins and fats
0: for those that i don't know but for those that don't know can you give some examples of those three yeah
1: yeah so good fats that we need a lot of in our diet and especially for teenage girls because that's when hormones are all changing we really need good fats because that's what our hormones are made from is um avocados mm-hmm. nuts seeds salmon olive oil, like sprinkling a big lashings of olive oil onto your veggies or your salads yeah. is so good um carbohydrates all our vegetables and fruits are full of really good carbs and it depends on your body if some people are better with um some more starchy carbohydrates or not some people are and some people aren't for me personally i don't have a lot of starchy carbs because it doesn't work well for me
0: like rice so this is
1: bread. more rice bread do you grains. call them
0: complex carbohydrates yeah 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 yep. that's Same what kind of i thing. know them
1: yeah. as yeah and so For me personally, over the years, I'm fine eating brown rice, but I have a gluten to be a gluten intolerance. But um, so I don't have a lot of like um,
0: no pasta, no pasta and bread. Yeah, but then gluten free just well then it doesn't.
1: It's not full of. It's not free of the numbers. I I make my own bread, which is made out of almonds and eggs, really, and it's fabulous. We can share that recipe too if you want. Yes, I feel like we're gonna have lots to share. Um, so yeah. I think as a dancer, like think about carbs that will have, when you have those more starchy carbs or complex carbohydrates, look for ones that have a lower GI. So Mm -hmm. it's a glycemic index. And that's ones that will last in your body for longer and give you longer energy boost. Rather than if it's a high glycemic index, it'll give you a big boost for a little bit and then drop off. But if you've got rehearsals for five hours, you need to have sustained energy. So that would be brown rice as opposed to white rice. Whole bread as opposed to white bread. Okay. like going for stuff that's a bit more brown yeah. than the white stuff so white white grains and white things and white sugar and white rice is not as good for you as the brown versions. i just steer clear of it
0: yeah. really it tastes the brown stuff tastes better anyway it does it does. It really does except for i think if although oh my gosh i can't believe i'm about to say this because i don't I think i've had it in like five years fairy bread has to be made on white bread <laughs> I don't care what anybody's <laughs> I don't think I've
1: had it in like a hundred years I don't years. think I have either That's why I'm like
0: Why did that spring to mind just then? Fairy bread Anyway Okay let's go for Oh and then protein Let's talk about protein Oh yeah protein Sorry Before we Skipping jump off so we've
1: done fats, carbs and protein So protein I
0: got too distracted <laughs> on fairy bread
1: <laughs> No protein in fairy bread Georgia No
0: protein That's an occasional food Yes
1: <laughs> So protein we'll get from our meats and seafood mm-hmm. But also if you're vegetarian or pre- uh, feel better better with less meat is tofu miso nuts Mm -hmm. seeds that we get a lot of protein from all of those foods beans legumes Yep.
0: yeah good okay so let's go then on to if you're a professional dancer let's have a look at that that diet
1: it's really not much, Roughly, yeah. it's not much different it's not much different not much different no but I think yeah, in, in my experience as a professional dancer like yeah say. we our first show at the Moulin I always think about because that was a really big contract that I did um our first show was at nine we'd have to be at the theater by seven thirty, and I f- and we didn't wear um you know a lot of clothing no <laughs> so. I have
0: many friends that have been in the Moulin Lido And uh, one was very surprised when I didn't tell her we were showing up and she had not many clothes on at all and her face went,
1: (laughs) And so you don't want, you know, your your tummy's exposed and if you eat too late you feel a bit bloated or whatever. So I had to eat before, like by 4 o'clock at the latest for a 9 o'clock show and then I wouldn't eat anything, just drink lots of water between then. And then I would always have a snack afterwards. So you have to kind of like work into your show times yeah, so and I, I most f- people are performing at night so you wouldn't be having dinner at seven o'clock
0: yeah so i think the difference with a professional dancer is just comes down to your timing it does a lot yeah, yeah. even if uh, talking about professional even probably you know full-time and finishing schools you're very much down to timing i yeah. know when i was at the aussie ballet it was very oh we've got Part of her coming up if I have a big lunch I'm going to feel like awful so you had to really time your days and it would change from day to day that's
1: right so yeah so that can be a bit tricky but I guess if for you when it was changing as a student but for me in the show it was always always routine so that was kind of easier because then you just make a new a new pattern to what you do now yeah Yeah. but otherwise I think I used to have a jar of honey that I sometimes if I felt a bit low in the in the um, show, I just have a teaspoon of honey, which was just really that's instant good sugar. Idea. I love honey. Yeah, instant instant energy yeah. for glucose. Um,
0: I have a teaspoon of honey if I'm having like a coffee or – although I'm off coffee at the moment. But <laughs> if I have like a hot drink, is that that's far better than having like sugar. Because it's, it, it's, it's natural and
1: it's more real. So you think about – when you're thinking about making decisions around food, what is more closest to its natural state – Yes, and like, what's more natural, honey or sugar? Sugar's been processed a lot to get it into that little white shiny grain, but honey comes straight, like it drips out of the honeycomb like that. Yeah, because I thought,
0: am I still cheating? No, (laughs) no. But then you're
1: better off getting raw honey, so one that hasn't been heat processed. Yeah, yeah, because you just think it's a really good rule. Like, I think maybe two rules. We're adding some more rules, Georgia. So no numbers, and then food that's more real. Yeah, yeah, and closest to its natural state.
0: Okay, and then so if if your this actually goes well with timing so pre-post exercise and class meals and snacks um say you've got like i for example um let's give a school age example they've had a big day of school it's three o'clock they get picked up they're on their way to dancing they start at four o'clock and some of like our seniors for example have three and a half hours of dancing ahead of them what should they be having that's not going to make them feel bloated and Yeah. yeah before they start
1: Yes, classes two things that i recommend to my clients in that kind of situation is something that's a small snack that's not going to fill them like physically fill them up too much but is going to give them a sensation of being full and yep. give them enough energy and a balance of the carbohydrates proteins and fats so two really good ones are bliss balls like mm-hmm. homemade bliss balls made out of Nuts and seeds, which gives you good fats and protein. Some dried fruit, which gives you some natural sugars and carbohydrates. Perhaps some tahini or honey in there, which Mm -hmm. again gives you some good fats, protein and the honey gives you the carbs from the sugar. Um, So that's a great little snack and it will last and give energy for ages. Mm -hmm. And then even a smoothie is really good. Like a little smoothie filled full of nuts, seeds, good fats, even like a teaspoon of um, coconut oil. And then some fruit, veggies, coconut water or almond milk. or Chopped up
0: carrots get me going. Just a couple of chopped up carrots. Yeah, well, they're
1: really nice. That's got sugar. Yeah. Oh,
0: there you go. That's why I like it. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Because it really, like it's a carbohydrate, so it gets break, but it's got good fibre as well. So it makes that carbohydrate be released and the energy from that be released slower in your body than if you just had like a teaspoon of honey. So it gives you energy for longer. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Speaking of what I eat, we are going to do a little assessment of what I eat. So I filled in a food diary for you of what I've eaten this week. Um, I actually really like this food diary. I was going to ask if I can steal the template. We can put that up too. There you, you can go. definitely have the template <laughs> because it's really handy and I think it's really good like we were saying because when when you sent it to me and you're like oh if you can remember like fill in what you've had this week I was like I can remember I know exactly what I've eaten and there's a lot of people and a lot of students when I ask them what have you eaten today and they don't know yeah or maybe they're lying trying to think of something you know but I think too more the, nutritional. M- the-
1: more you keep accountable to yourself mm-hmm. and document things, the better decisions you make. Yeah, I've seen that time and time again. People who don't document don't get the results that they perhaps want.
0: Sometimes I feel, and this is probably a good tip for anyone, if I feel like I'm going off the bandwagon, like I'm terrible. Christmas time, you have to consciously, like between the parties and the family gatherings, you have to consciously go, I'm not going to have a drink today. Or I'm going to steer clear from those Ferrero shares that are on Mum's bench. Like, do you know what I mean? So if I'm falling off the bandwagon a little bit, I like to have a week where I write down everything that I eat, like everything, Yeah. whether it's one almond, like I write everything down so that at the end of the week I can look. And I find that, that, writing it down makes you more accountable it does it totally and you go, does. and you and you go to pick up like that little bit of chocolate or something and you're like
1: oh no i won't because then i have to write it down <laughs> and i don't want to write it <laughs> down i don't want to write it and down. you know georgia it's even better if at the end of every day you've had a really good day you give yourself a gold star that makes it even better because I'm if so have- <laughs>
0: easily easily motivated i want a gold star
1: <laughs> because if you have a day where you eat chocolate you don't get a gold star where well, you choose not to eat chocolate the next day <laughs>
0: I was so that kid at school, such
1: a people pleaser.
0: I want the gold star. Okay, so how did I go?
1: So what I love about what you're doing, when you're rising, when you wake up, you're having lemon in water and it's nice if that water is room temperature.
0: I was going to ask you because I I do keep it in the fridge just because it's really hot at the moment Yeah, yeah. and then um, I... Take it out and let it kind of get to the room yeah, temperature. So that's beautiful. a good thing. Because yeah. I've heard someone was like, oh, you should have it like really hot. And I was like, oh. No, no. It is
1: doesn't It's just not oh, – I don't know. Again, no right and wrong. No right. Like there's no. no right and wrong. But I believe that it's just nicer on your body when it's more at body temperature. Okay. It's just not such a shock to the system. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, lemon in water on rising is a really beautiful, gentle liver detoxifier. Mm-hmm. And we have so many toxins that we're exposed to in our life that can then cause inflammation like we're talking about before. It's another contributing factor. So, lemon in water is a beautiful start to the day. Um, what I think you could improve on, Georgia, for breakfast, you've written down um, lots of kind of fruity-based nice creams, which are so good for you, and smoothies. But do you think that you have a balance of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats in those?
0: Probably not.
1: Well, since we've been talking. I, don't, I agree with you there. So, I feel like you could probably have some better good fats in there. Even like adding some half an o- or a quarter of an avocado into some uh, of them. Into, yeah. Okay. Um, some nuts or even a little bit of coconut oil. Yeah. Um, for the fats. If and I put
0: muesli on, I get a few little nuts because that, the that's I use better. That one. Farm muesli, yeah, beautiful. And that's got lots of nuts. So in it.
1: that day you've done really well because okay. you had the muesli and spirulina. So spirulina is really high in protein. And that day with the spirulina, but then these other four days where you've had just mostly the fruit. Okay. Is um we could improve that and that will give you just energy for longer and I don't know if you ever get a mid-afternoon crash but if you have more protein and fats here you won't get a mid-afternoon okay. like two three o'clock crash do okay. you ever get that
0: um yeah not every day but yeah sometimes yeah. it's more if I'm not that I get bored but if I'm just about to start class I'm like oh I'm a little bit hungry like yeah <laughs> so
1: probably um, mid morning is great, apple. And then again, you could think about a little bit of protein. So you might have a little jar of um nut butter and you could have a little bit of nut butter yeah. on some of your slices of apple. Yeah. Your lunches are beautiful. So you've got here chicken and bone broth soup, and bone broth is so good for you. It's a lovely gut healing kind of food. Chicken and veggies with brown rice, great, and that brown rice will give you really good energy through the day. So you've got the mixture of um protein and carbs but you could perhaps sprinkle some olive oil on your veggies which okay. will give you some good fats and then really and you're at the age too Georgia where I see a lot of women start to develop some hormonal issues mm-hmm. so you've got to think about feeding your hormones and that's yeah. with all the good fats pumpkin soup beautiful and even in that again put olive oil on the top before you eat it okay um and then flaffle wrap Flaffle's great because it's got um, that's all I could find at the airport okay yeah but that's a but good it choice can be done guys it yeah, can be done you do have choice. to walk around the airport but
0: you will find yeah. something
1: there's always options like I've I've been very much um I've been gluten-free for I don't know 13 years after having a really bad health episode and um when I was in my early 30s and I eat very little processed sugar sometimes I have ice cream and chocolate but not this year for chocolate and um <laughs> it's is really hard at the super at the airport like but there's always options yeah.
0: and i also think too if there's if you know you'll survive yeah like just wait till your destination yeah. if you can't you know find something like yeah. you'll survive a two-hour flight but i'm you know
1: if you organize i always have a batch yeah. of bliss balls in the yeah. in the um fridge i remember one time i was driving flying to america for um a bar conference mm-hmm. and I forgot to put in my requirement for gluten-free and so at the last minute I put it in but there wasn't any gluten-free option. It was really ah. weird. So I put in raw vegan was the closest thing I could find and I'd packed I think six bliss balls to last me the journey yeah. and a packet of hummus and some rice crackers. The hummus got confiscated because it was too big a Packet. I didn't get the little 100 mil packet. I would have cried if my hummus got confiscated.
0: (laughs) Take anything else. Don't take my hummus.
1: So then, the raw vegan options that came, they gave me like literally some carrot and, um, Cucumber sticks for dinner And I died Like I ate a lot of food A yeah. lot Because I do a lot of exercise Yeah I was dying I was so hungry But it was those six bliss balls That lasted me The 13 hour flight Like they really did Oh my gosh Until I got off and found a I don't know A big piece of chicken Or something to eat <laughs> Actually I remember Getting to the hotel And thank ordering God. a big plate Of room service Of yeah Like meat and veggies And oh,
0: Thank God You had the bliss balls Thank God <laughs> I love a good bliss ball But bowl. yeah It's
1: a good tip isn't it If you're travelling And you want to take hummus yeah. It needs to be 100 100 meals I think there Otherwise they confiscate anything bigger than that We'll just bring some bliss balls <laughs> <laughs> oh, Where are we up to Mid- So mid-afternoon your snacks are dates, tahini and carrots. That's a really great option because you've got protein and carbs mm-hmm. and good fats in the tahini because tahini is a sesame seed paste. so made mm-hmm. out of seeds.
0: Is tahini better for you than like a peanut butter, like a, a natural peanut butter? Well, um, or are they roughly the same?
1: Everyone's different. Oh, There's no okay. rules.
2: Yeah. You've got to listen to your body. I know. Everything's different. See, everyone's some different.
1: people, peanuts are actually not a nut. They're a legume. And some people don't do well with legumes. Okay. Yeah. But some people are fine. So again, it's just listening to your body. Like, do you feel good after it or not? Does it feel bloated or a bit low in energy um so yes yes and no okay and then dinner Georgie your dinners are really nice other than one she's had one little bad day in here I do
0: have I was really honest we had a packet of
1: veggie chips for dinner but maybe
0: I wasn't feeling well that day but I felt like I needed to eat something and you know when you feel a bit nauseous but you feel like a chip yeah And then I went for veggie chips because that was the only thing...
2: Well, it's better than... It's
1: better than... Processed. Still not great, but yeah. it's
0: better than like...
1: But even potato chips, right? You yeah. can make good choices around potato chips. What are your go-tos? There's a couple of brands and I can't even tell you what they are at the moment, but I know where they are in my supermarket because my husband loves potato chips. So I try and get in the I healthy ones. I love potato chips. And That's um, my downfall. The problem really... Potato is not bad for you, but the problem really is the fat that it's cooked in. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the potato chips are cooked in vegetable oils or seed oils or palm oil, which is the worst because it's killing Mm -hmm. um, vegetation as well where those palm oil plantations are. But um, uh, you can look to see if they're cooked in olive oil. I think maybe Kettle does one that's cooked in olive oil but or cooked in coconut oil or avocado oil. So the brand I get, super expensive, so I don't get them often, but is – one that's cooked in coconut oil. Yeah. Yeah, and they're yummy. But
0: Yeah, I found one that's in – yeah, actually, I can't remember the name of the brand either, but it's in avocado oil. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you can buy it from Coles or Woolworths, yeah. but they are, like, the most expensive chips. Yeah. But then I guess that's kind of a good thing because you're like, well, then I'm going to not eat them all the time that's or right. buy them all
1: the time. That's right. Then it's just a special occasion food. But really, yeah. it's not the potato that's bad. It's the fat that it's cooked in because anything that's bad fats, like those vegetable oils, seed oils, trans fats are – um. I'm higher in omega-6s than omega-3s and so within those two fat things the omega-6s and omega-3s we need a balance we need more omega-3s necessary than omega-6s because our diets all that kind of stuff is really high in omega-6s that causes mm-hmm. more inflammation in our body okay so having fish oil and avocado and yeah. olive oil is h- balancing out all and those omega-6s 3s yeah yeah okay gotcha. okay where are we up to i think we're up to drinks so i don't know what chaga tea is You've got here it's Chaga mush, tea. It's a
0: mushroom elixir. It's like oh, um wow. I wish I actually had a little um a little packet of it here. It's got I, I it's my experiment for the last 3 weeks. Yeah. because so, I've been trying to get off as much coffee, like I would probably have two a day and and apparently it's not fantastic for my eczema because um, okay, I good. suffer from eczema. Yeah, so Yeah. Yeah. I tried to kind of like, it would be really nice. Ideally, I would like to be able to have a coffee on the weekend, but at the moment I'm having two a day. So, but I love the ritual and the feeling of waking up, making a hot drink and sitting and sipping and relaxing. So if I take away my coffee, like what am I going to do? So I did some research and found this uh, chaga mixture. It's like, it's in, it's always in the supplement aisle of the health food store. Yeah. And, it's quite expensive but then when I added it up it's just as expensive if not less than buying a takeaway coffee every day. So um, and it's apparently got lots of superfoods and good.
1: I'm gonna have to good, look this Yeah up. you'll have to look yeah. it up. I'll,
0: I'll keep you posted. I'm, I'm yeah. experimenting still on it.
1: And this it is good nice. because then yeah. you start to learn how it feels in your body. Yeah, yeah. it
0: tastes good and, and it kind of funny it kind of does give you a pickup of a coffee or maybe it's okay. just mental like it's yeah. just a placebo effect like I'm making a coffee <laughs> but, but that works <laughs> yeah and I put a little it's just hot water I put a little bit of um soy milk in yeah. or almond milk and then um and then I just pop a little bit of honey and it tastes almost like coffee okay not quite yeah but yeah yeah, a, a, like a real coffee nut would be like, this tastes nothing like yeah, coffee. Yeah, of but course. I, I, It's a nice
1: substitute. Yeah, it is has
0: been a substitute. So I'll keep you
1: posted. Okay, perfect. Yeah. And the other one that's nice for people to know about too that's a good coffee substitute is Dandelion Tea. okay. Because Dandelion Tea, it comes in grains like coffee. Yeah. And there's a brand at the supermarket called Symington's that's like an old-fashioned redden or orange and brown yes, kind of I know packet. Yes, exactly what you're talking about. Yep. And um and you can have it with milk if you if you do that or black is fine. Mm-hmm. And if you let it sit for a little bit, it has a little bit of a sweet taste at the end, so it can kind of kick sweet cravings as well. But dandelion as a herb and dandelion teas are really again gentle liver detoxifier, so it's nice okay. on your liver.
0: Yeah, cuz that's the thing I've I've been doing my own research lately and taking care of my liver is a huge one in regards to my skin. Yes. And so I'm just trying really hard, I think the last probably two months to just eat. That's why when you said, oh, do you know what you've eaten this week? Yes, I know (laughs) what I've eaten because I'm being really conscious of it to try and just, I know I'll never get rid of my eczema, but I want it to be like, 99% gone
1: (laughs) so um. and the thing Georgia too which is interesting for you and maybe you've learned this along the way but your skin on the outside is a reflection of your gut lining Mm -hmm. on the inside because it's all one kind of continuous organ that's all exposed to the outside environment so a whole gut lining all the way down really is exposed to the outside environment and if you see patches of eczema on your skin Mm -hmm. there will be a similar kind of reaction on the gut lining so it means that that's not healthy on the inside so a lot of gut healing but your bone broths are so beautiful that would be so okay. good for your skin good okay and really looking after gut health so, so we could talk a whole nother <laughs> know, episode I on know. gut health Georgia. i'll have to come back to la and
0: do another <laughs> one but so i'm on the right track
1: you are definitely on the right track that's, that's a really good food diary good. i just want you to add a bit more protein in the mornings okay i can do that And good fats
0: i might share this too just so everyone gets an yeah, idea i think it's a good like, idea And then I'll put a little note that that you think I should add a bit more protein in in the start of my day. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So we're going to completely, not completely change (laughs) subjects because everything's linked. But I would like to know what exactly does an osteopath do?
1: Yes. We are manual therapists. Yes. So we do hands-on treatment on the body. And um, if you had a snapshot of what an osteopath looked like in their workplace, it would look very similar to a physiotherapist or a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. Like there's a treatment table. In fact, we're sitting at one right now to do this we little are. chat. <laughs>
0: We've made use of the treatment table.
1: It's, yeah. our, it's, our, it's our
0: desk for the day. Desk
1: for the day, exactly. Um, and you would see us doing hands-on work on, on somebody. But the way we look at the body is quite different to a physio and a chiro and our hands-on techniques are also quite different. So, um, and that's generalized because in any profession, people learn more stuff and it changes along the way. Mm -hmm. So if I talk about what I do, then it kind of, it, you know, it's a nice snapshot, but I, um, have a really big fascination. And that's, I guess, where I went on to study nutrition about the viscera. So the organs of the body and how that influenced the musculoskeletal system. So, For example, I had one man come in with shoulder pain and um, he'd had all this clinical orthopedic tests for impingement syndrome Mm -hmm. in his shoulder and he couldn't lift his arm above his shoulder height without pain. And I treated him two or three times with traditional kind of structural treatment, some dry needling, some massage, some articulation, some manipulation through his neck and upper back um, and he wasn't getting better. And then I thought, well, I wonder if there's anything from his organs that are affected affecting him and you can our hands as osteopaths are really finely tuned into feeling what's going on in someone's body so we can do this kind of palpation assessment and feel for fascial tension which is your connective tissue tension wow pulling into certain ways so he had like imagine his his stomach it felt like there was a pull all the way down from yeah. his shoulder to his stomach and so i said to him have you had any surgery done on your stomach And he's like oh yeah, i had the wrap and the wrap surgery is where they take the upper part the fundus of the stomach and wrap it around the lower esophagus because his lower esophageal sphincter wasn't working he was getting reflux so they wrap it around to try and make it like a sphincter and so that created a whole lot of scar tissue and scar tissue as it contracts pulls and that's on the side that he had the impingement and that's where the impingement was so this like fascial tension from his stomach was pulling his shoulder down so i literally did at the end of one treatment five minutes treatment on his stomach and released, like stretching kind of through the fascia around the stomach. Mm. And his shoulder was like pew, straight up and down. Wow. No pain. Never came back again because he's like... <laughs> you fixed him. Fixed him. But he sent me so many patients. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. So I love, I love looking at the body in that way, like not just looking structurally, yeah. musculoskeletal, looking looking at all sorts of other like organs and how that can influence yeah. the body too. So everything we do as osteopaths is all hands-on. Um, but people say it feels like it's it's more holistic perhaps than some yep. other professions. But er, again, everyone's different. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, in your opinion, how often do you think a young dancers should get some body work done?
1: Yeah, well, everyone is different and some people will need it more and some people will never need it and some people will need it occasionally. So again, it's more about listening to your body and if you feel um, that you have... there's an injury or a little niggle or um especially as a dancer i see a lot of clicking hips Mm -hmm. and that's often um a treatment can help but then reconditioning needs to be done about working to make sure that the glutes and abdomen are activating and the core muscles activating properly Mm -hmm. and not just hooking the leg up through the hip flexors um but I also, if you notice when you're batmon kicking or something that one side feels tighter in the hamstring than the other, that's a really nice time to have a treatment because it can mm-hmm. cause little alterations in your pelvis that can influence what the length of the hamstrings are. So, little being aware of when your body doesn't feel quite right is a good time to have a treatment because then you will be preventing an injury before it starts. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because yeah. I was really terrible as a young dancer. I, well, not really terrible, it was a good thing. I was never injured. Yeah. So, when something did happen, I was like, oh, like I waited until it was the worst, yeah. you know, and then I was like, oh, I better go see someone. And then I went and saw someone. It was kind of not, you know, too late, but it's like, oh, now we got to do all this work if yes. you had of just come at the start. Yes. You know, I I find it really frustrating with my own students. If they have a niggle or I can see that, you know, all of a sudden they're very tight in their hips or something's going on and because I'm not a medical practitioner or a physio or an osteopath or anything, I'm just like, I can see it. I need, you know, because you're talking to the parent, I need you to take her here and you recommend somewhere. And they don't go for like yeah. months and months turn into like a year. And then when they finally go, oh, you know, they told us we should have come, you know, like six months ago. I'm like, yeah, when I told you. <laughs> That's right. And <laughs> you, if people go when they
1: first feel something, they might need one treatment. But yeah. if you wait six months or a year, you might need a year's five worth of or you might need five or six or a yeah. year's worth of treatments, depending on how you know one problem starts here but then it compensates and creates more problems and more problems and p- more problems as the body adjusts and adapts so you're better off before that adjusting and adapting yeah. happens to get that one problem cuz a problem treated. with the
0: hips can turn into a problem with the back and then can turn
1: Anywhere. into a problem with the
0: shoulders and then yeah and then all of a sudden your your entire posture that you've been working on yeah. since three year old doing ballet classes is gone yeah
1: and it can lead to migraines and it can lead yes. to feet mechanics changing and then feet problems and yeah like yeah. it can really one little thing can spread right out the whole body is connected i could yeah. an, i could anatomically relate your big toe up to your like left earlobe <laughs> through <laughs> fascia connections and you know that muscle joins to this muscle and then da, 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 like we it all like all the way up
0: yeah. oh, i'm such a huge believer in the body is connected and that's why totally. i think it's so important that 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 what you're fueling yourself with you know is, is of utmost importance And then everything seems to fall into place And, and small niggles don't become larger niggles Because yeah. you're looking after yourself yeah. I think
1: it's just looking after yourself It is looking after yourself and being aware And you know protein is a really important thing to have For um, muscle recovery mm-hmm. So your amino acids And that's what muscles are built out of So yeah. it's always good to make sure you have enough protein
0: And then um, So speaking of niggles How can we prevent injury Or tackle a niggle before. I mean, obviously, before seeing somebody, you've got like, let's just say, like a little bit of a, eh, a little bit of a sore, got a little bit of a sore lower back, like not quite bad enough to go see someone yet. But you know, what what can you do at home?
1: Well, I would say see someone (laughs) as a first step. But a little niggle, yes.
2: not quite yet. Not like quite next yet. Week maybe if it's still sort of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like just, so I'm
1: just
0: being the general popular. Yes.
1: <laughs> just do really good warm ups before yes. your um, classes and at home, lots of stretching. Yeah. So there's, you know, when I was a young dancer, there was always stretch before you mm-hmm. exercise and now a lot of the evidence is coming around about stretching not so important before but more important after yeah
0: we, we warm up cardiovascular yes. warm-up beforehand yeah. and then we stretch up yeah. yeah and
1: that's what really you need to do is that real cardio warm-up at the start and if you are doing any stretching at the start active stretching like you know yoga yeah. yoga poses or something as opposed to just hanging out in the splits on the stairs Yes, exactly. That's for after.
0: Yeah, it's funny when parents go. Why are they running around the room? Aren't, aren't they paying for dance classes? Yeah, they're warming up. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> we so need important. to get that body warm yeah. and the heart pumping, and, yeah. and then we stretch. Yeah, because you know, it's really funny from the outside. Everyone, everyone wants to see their kids in the splits. It's like, no, 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 not at the start of class. We'll do that at the end. I love it, Georgie. <laughs> you all
1: the right things.
0: But that I say to them when we have like um, parent watching days, I go, if you, you know, child, if you ever move interstate and you go to a different dance school and. They're doing the splits at the start of class. Move dance schools, like that's not okay. It's
1: not okay. <laughs> it's not very okay. old-fashioned thinking. Very old-fashioned. It was like that way when I, was, when I was dancing. I don't remember what my dance teacher did with me, but I know that when I first went to uni, that was what we learned. And sort of by the time I was finishing uni, it was all changing over. That was 20, 25 years ago. And so um, I remember reading a study about some soccer players that they changed when they stretched because they were all going onto the field from stretching beforehand and getting hamstring injuries. Yes. And they changed it to do the running and the star jumps before and stretching at the end and their incidence of hamstring injuries went right down. Yep, I believe yep. that. Yeah.
0: So on that note, the benefits of Pilates and yoga for a dancer, what's your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think it's really great to do lots of different types of exercise. Mm-hmm. So incorporating some Pilates and yoga moves and exercises into your warm-up and cool-down is really good and also pilates is excellent for rehab so if you're have mm-hmm. if you do have an injury and you need to re- to get back into dancing it's a great way back in or to make sure you have strength in a certain area where you've perhaps lost strength perhaps you know for example a hamstring tear mm-hmm. like you can really work in the right way so that your body doesn't go straight back into dancing and make its own new compensatory patterns and yoga i love because it's giving you flexibility but strength within the flexibility so mm-hmm. you're perhaps holding a yoga pose but you're using your muscles to hold that flexibility yeah which is what i love about it so important so important
0: because that's what you're doing in, in in dance you're you're having to
1: use the muscles to hold the position that's right not using the floor to fall into yeah. gravity that's yeah. right yeah, so anything that you can do to layer it in. And, you know, most dancers and professional dancers will work out their own warm-up routine mm-hmm. and their own little pattern. Mine always used to have Pilates. I always to clams. I love clams. Yeah. So good for pelvic oh, stability. I haven't
0: done clams for so long. I used to do them all the time with yeah. my students. And then, you know, something that you do so much and then yeah. you kind of like drift away. And yeah,
1: I think at the than right, this is one of the worst things about um, – well, the only bad thing about the choreography really is that when we did the can can every night, we did ninety nine percent of kicks on the right leg, oh. and about five kicks in a ten minute can can on the left leg. And because I was already an osteopath, I used to yeah. treat treat everyone, yeah. and um, everyone had the same pelvic torsion, like everyone the would same be so lopsided, the same thing, so lopsided. And I actually measured my thighs once, and one was two. I can't remember which one, but one was two centimeters bigger than wow. the other one from the different pattern that we had yeah and so
0: and who can be bothered staying back later and doing the other you know the other let's <laughs> do
1: like 500 kicks on the left exactly leg. <laughs> like just and to
0: even yourself out like if that doesn't happen you're exhausted you yeah. go home <laughs> yeah so
1: I had a very strong warm up routine it had a lot of clams in it because clams is really good for pelvic stability so it kind of negated that a little bit but not enough mm-hmm. I actually said to the dance mistress at one stage you know like I'm treating all the dancers and we all have the same pelvic torsion, so it has to be something we're doing at work and you know like the can can has 500 (laughs) kicks on the right and five on the left
0: how did that go down
1: (laughs) oh andrea it's always been done that way it's never gonna change (laughs) (laughs) that is so typical so So typical of an old traditional kind of show like that you know
0: (laughs) oh my gosh Gosh, even with nutrition (laughs) advice i
1: should tell you it was the nutrition advice there was one girl who had kind of knobbly knees yeah and um, the dance minister has told her to eat ice cream to put weight on her knees. <laughs> oh, like there's just bad advice sometimes coming from people that have no education around that. Like yeah. there's just – there's no – I can't even make any sense of that. It doesn't work like that. You can't put weight on a certain area. You can't lose weight from a certain area. Yeah.
0: I had a, I had a dance teacher – I won't say which school I was at at the time, (laughs) but she would say to us after a very long week of classes, um, she had a beautiful little Russian accent. She was teeny tiny and she'd go, now the weekend is coming up. You can have chocolate, but if you have chocolate, you won't have anything else. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. And I was like, you know, I'm not even going to say how old I was because then people can work out where I was, but, yeah it's just yeah it's so I have backwards. a story too Georgia
1: I remember <laughs> when I was about I don't know I was doing class in Melbourne when I was about 15 or 16 and I I was very lucky I never had weight yeah. problems I was like a little beanpole long and skinny and the I dance can see that. <laughs> the dance teacher had us all lined up and it was just before the Easter holidays mm-hmm. and she was like you can have one Easter egg you can have oh none my you can gosh. have two Easter eggs none for you none for you you can have whatever you want. <laughs> so bad. I still remember I can visually see in the studio where we're all under. It's yeah. crazy. I've
0: had one very similar moment like that and it was, yeah, it was a bit But more it's not brutal. healthy. But like, I mean, think, okay. think we
1: can remember this from, for me, like yeah. 30 something years ago. Like, years I think ago. teachers need to be really aware of the impact of those kind of comments yeah. like on one student, One
0: very, and like, we can remember that very, that's a very specific moment. Yeah. I, I remember very similar all being lined up next to each other and and we have very different bodies like very different bodies one of my best friends growing up was probably like you tall and gangly and could pretty much eat you know whatever and I was athletic and smaller and had to be really careful because if I you know went wild on the weekend like poof, gosh I felt it the next yeah. week and she could eat it so I had to be really careful and Yes, you I have this very distinct memory of standing in a line and feeling very body shamed like yeah. massively. Yeah. And and I re- even remember still how it felt. Do you know what I mean? So I think teachers need to understand you know there are so much so many better ways of going around it. Like so
1: many. Like yep. as a
0: as a teacher, I'm always it's it's a very difficult conversation to have because you do sometimes see students putting on weight and you can see them in the foyer they're not eating the right foods yeah but you don't single them out in the class you one time i did have a bit of a problem with a group about a few years ago and i sat them down and i made them fill out a food diary and it was i was really oh, i was i was i'm in an whether to do it because i thought am i overstepping the boundary here but i just wanted them to assess and see what they were eating and go look, you could add a bit of protein here. You could add some more veggies here. You're not getting any fruit in this day. like, And and just have a talk about it so that they're more aware. Or I find that when I'm in the studio, I, if I'm having a snack or sometimes I'll have a a little break where I have um, dinner and I'll sit at the back of the studio and I'll go, and I'll go, hey, guys, look, I've got chicken and veggies. See, this is going to keep me going for the rest of it. And you just make an offhanded comment and hopefully it starts seeping in. Or like, oh, you know, I said to the girls one time, couple of years ago about uh, you know this these new protein balls that I was making at home and and they all went out and made them at home and I was yeah, like you that's know great. you've got to do it in different ways like yeah
2: absolutely
1: not
0: lining everyone up and because look we're scarred from it whether yeah, we know we are. It or not and you know
1: Georgia I look back at photos of myself around the time when I was like 15 16 17 And I used to think I was fat because of probably even those comments weren't directed at me. Yeah. But it all went in and I look at myself in photos. I was a little beanpole. Like there was not an ounce of fat on me, but I had like this, there's so much around how those things can mess up with our brains. No, exactly. Yeah.
0: And I mean, yeah, even the, the same, like I, I wasn't. Like, yes, I say sitting here, oh, I was more athletic. I was still tiny, yeah. Yeah. teeny, tiny. I look back, I'm like, how could anyone even, if I had a student like that, I wouldn't even cross my mind that they yeah. needed to lose weight or, you know, lengthen, yeah. <laughs> as the word that everyone likes to use, <laughs> instead of lose weight. What do they say? Lengthen. lengthen. You need to lengthen your muscles. You need to, <laughs> you need to, and they do, no one can say it with my hands. They do this, like as in like, <laughs> anyway okay so um one thing i do really want to talk about and we're getting off topic <laughs> um i knew we'd do that though because we, we i reckon we could talk like four hours i think we could but um what are you, i want to talk about pre-point yes so because this is a big one because i also have adults and students looking at going on to point with a student or an adult what are you assessing whether they're strong enough to go on point
1: yep so i have a little program that i do for pre-point assessments and I have lots mm-hmm. of dance schools locally that send me their kids around that 11 12 i
0: would love to send my eight, students yeah. to
1: get on a plane maybe Off i'll we come up Andrea. and we'll do a whole lot a whole lot up on the gold coast that would be good or, we or maybe one day. we can
0: do some kind of like skype <laughs>
1: Well, actually, we could actually. We, we could. could do that on Skype. We, we could. could. That is very possible. Yeah. Um, and so I look at them doing like a plie in yeah. parallel and turned out. I look at them doing just um, a retiree in parallel and turned out and then adding a plie into that and just seeing what core stability there is to hold and maintain turnout mm-hmm. and around the pelvic stability – um, we do a couple of range of motion testing Sort of te- looking at the length of the Achilles tendon mm-hmm. um, Do a Baton scale test So that's testing for hypermobility in someone And hy- and mobility and strength are inversely related So I can straight away see from doing the Baton scale on someone And I'll tell you what it is because it's interesting And I'm like a nine out of nine A little flexible. <laughs> I used to get called no hamstrings that yeah. nickname, miss, miss No Hamstrings Because I could kick myself in the head but if you test, pull your little I finger should back. I do this. Stay there. Let's see if we can do it.
0: I will film you
1: doing this. So well, you're going to have to hold the microphone it. for me. Oh, okay. Because I need two hands. Or is it... We can, oh, we can make it work. Hands. We can make it work. Let's I film it. Work. So, we want to see for the bait and scale. Number one, can oops, the little oops. finger... Can <laughs> the little finger bend back to 90 degrees? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I won't do this one because I'm holding the microphone, but that's like that's two points. Is the elbow hyperextended? Very so hyper-extended. we can see a little hyperextension in the elbow, but I don't have it in this one, so I'm actually not a 9 out of 9. Okay. Can't see on the floor, and I don't have the knees so much, but are the <laughs> knees <you> go. <laughs> are the knees hyperextended? That gives you two more points. Yeah. And then Radio Georgia, let's come around here. Can we stand up and put both hands flat on the floor and so there, finger finger elbow elbow knee knee what else do i have one two three four five six hands flat on the floor i can't remember top of my head there's no oh i know the other one hang on (laughs) can you touch your thumb if you're
0: only listening to this podcast (laughs) you need to go on instagram and see the video that i'm going to upload
1: can we pull that thumb back to our forearm on both sides yeah so that gives us the nine out of nine.
0: Well, you get nine out of 10 <laughs> for the microphone
1: action you action just did. In there as well. <laughs> so um, the aim really is like a five, four, five, six, because anything where somebody is more flexible, they're not going to have as much strength okay. as a natural thing. Yeah. And someone who has less on the Baton scale where they're less flexible are going to have more strength. Okay. And so, people who have more flexibility have to do more strength work. People who have more strength have to do more flexibility work. Yes. And balance that out, balance out whatever their natural is. So I look at all of that and I can see that in a pre-point assessment of what somebody's natural body type is mm-hmm. and then you know to give them advice that they might need more flexibility and stretching work or they might need more strengthening work but especially around the feet I look for a lot of toe clawing if that if the toes are clawing just by even standing in first position or doing a relevé yeah. um or holding a plié like you'll see the little toes claw and that right. shows a lot of feet and intrinsic muscles of the feet weakness okay so I give a lot of exercise nice around and that flat? flat yeah and so I find the two big things that usually pop up in that little 11, 12-year-olds is a little bit of the weakness around the pelvic and abdominal core stability and also the feet. The feet muscles are a bit weak. Mm-hmm. So I've written down, I want to tell you about my five favourite exercises for strengthening I was, the feet. I was
0: just about to ask, okay, so we have these weaknesses in the feet. What can we do? Should we record this as well? Yeah, I'll do
1: that. So toe swapping. If anyone's Georgia. listening
0: to this, they're going to be like, oh, I need to... Toe now swapping. Go I'm going to take else? my shoes off. Okay. Ready? Can I do it standing up?
1: <laughs> so, for toe swapping, we need to do lift the big toes off the floor and then lift the little toes off the floor and the big toes and the little toes. And it's really hard. It's really hard to make the yes, brain know I've what tried the feet work. It's so hard. And so, often I say to people when they first start, hold their big toe and then hold your little toes so that you can try and make your brain understand what you want your body to do okay but that starts to strengthen the intrinsic muscles of the feet yeah then picking up a pen with your toes so you kind of imagine picking a pen up under your toes if you can see on the video it's my fingers but we're pretending they're my toes and towel scrunching again it's like trying to scrunch a towel yeah up under your toes I yeah, so do that with students as well perfect calf raises ah uh, we always do calf <laughs> yeah. raises.
0: my adults um my adults are all about calf rises. <laughs> so I, good. Yeah,
1: we, we rarely go a lesson without them. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And then eccentric calf exercises. So calf raises does have an eccentric component in it. And eccentric is where a muscle is lengthening as it's contracting. So the downhill part of a calf raise is an eccentric contraction. And there's a, a huge amount of evidence around preventing um, tendinitis or tendinopathies. And also treating them is with eccentric muscle mm-hmm. exercises. But what's even better if there is any kind of calf weakness or foot and ankle weakness is doing, say, you're doing your calf raises off a step mm-hmm. and then up. So it's the downhill part from the top of the releve and then lowering the heel past the step. You get a longer part of the eccentric oh, contractioning. Okay yeah a, we um, have um, we have
0: a little at my studio there's a little lip where there's a some carpet and then there's the studio floor yeah and oh, it's the perfect. perfect height that you can put your foot on and then go down yes. and then come back up that's exactly right
1: yeah. Well. yeah well you yeah. get the stretch at the yeah. end of that eccentric yeah your load which is perfect so, yes, those five exercises it would be great for anyone to do. Good. I might pop that um,
0: in a more structured format um, up on the blog for anybody who wants yeah, to Yeah, we know. can do that. Yeah. Um, now, also, I know you would love to talk about hypermobility. Yes, And I, really I would do. love to hear more about hypermobility.
1: So, this is something that I'm really passionate about and I studied a lot with Craig Phillips who's ex-Australian ballet and has DMA, Dance Medicine Australia in Melbourne. So, mm. I learned a lot of this from him and he's done a lot of really great research around this. But um, joint hyper-mob- hypermobility, and it's pretty common amongst the dancer population, is um, a, they're finding out more and more now that it's really a connective tissue disorder mm-hmm. and it's hereditary, so it can be passed down. Okay. Siblings often be the same or mum and child will be similar or dad and child. Um, and there can be different stages of it. So you can be h- quite hypermobile like I am and are you – quite naturally. Yeah, look at George's got the hypermobile <laughs> too. <laughs> so she'd probably be like a high, a high on the Baton <laughs> scale as well. Um, so there's that kind of capacity, but then it can turn into really complex, um, rare and complicated diseases, especially one called Ellis Dunlos syndrome. Okay. And so because I'm quite passionate around this area, I do see a lot of patients in my clinic who have Ellis Dunlos. Mm-hmm. And that's where because it's connective tissue it go a connective tissue disorder, it goes actually beyond our muscles and ligaments and fascia but into the organs and so it can cause all kinds of complex organ problems it's awful disease for people and it's really life-affecting but that's kind of at the other end of the scale okay so that's your extreme extreme but if we talk around kind of where most flexible dancers are sitting is in this kind of joint hypermobility syndrome and when they're young like you don't really notice any problems but the problems and symptoms from this condition often start to come out when dancers um, stop. Like when they maybe get to 18, perhaps don't have a career as a dancer and decide to stop Mm and go to uni instead or go on and have a career as a professional dancer. But then at 32, 35 stop. And that's when I see a lot of the problems too, because we've danced our whole lives. We've always exercised and all of a sudden we're not. Mm -hmm. And, um, Because our bodies need the muscular support to balance out this joint hypermobility. Otherwise, we can get all sorts of complicated things because, again, it's not just the connective tissue around our muscles, but it can lead to chronic pain, lots of joint pain. And also part of this syndrome is resistance to local anesthetics and autonomic dysfunction. So that's where the body can – that fight and flight kind of yeah. pattern that we can get more into the, that sympathetic dominance. So we have two parts of our nervous system, the sympathetics and the parasympathetics That from this autonomic nervous system that can either make us feel like we've got to fight and flight or we're in calming. Yeah. So it's the sympathetics are the fight and flight. And we'll get into this sympathetic overdrive in this kind of okay. pattern and it can cause a lot of anxiety and physical stress. And I know for me personally, and you have to tell me if you feel the same, Georgia, but if you go to the hairdresser and your head is back, so I'll explain mm-hmm. what this is about, but I'm like, get me out of here, like it creates this kind of anxiety feeling of having my head back in extension at the hairdresser and the dentist. Like I hate going to the dentist, and it makes me want to cry for no reason at all unless they can have my neck neck in a little bit of flexion. Yeah. And so, what happens in people who are hypermobile or people who have had a whiplash? i can do the same thing in the neck okay. where there's normally a nice space in the spinal canal for the spinal cord to sit. And around that, there's lots of... Um, in someone who's been dancing a lot, there's lots of still really good muscular support. But if you stop dancing, the muscle, support, the muscle support is not as strong. When the body goes into extension, and there's been MRI studies done on this, it shows that the spinal cord bangs onto the back of the spinal canal. Mm-hmm. And in the neck is where our um, parasympathetics live. Yeah. In our... Um, am I saying this right? Hang on. Sympathetics in the yeah, So it's parasympathetics in the neck, sympathetics in the thoracic spine. Mm-hmm. So these neck ones get uh, compromised a little bit and so it causes then the sympathetic overdrive, so the fight and flight response. Okay. So you're laying in the chair here because of this kind of influence of the cord sitting onto the back of the canal, you get this overwhelming sense of get me out of here and anxiety kind of feeling. Isn't that funny? Yeah.
0: I thought that was because I didn't like... The person touching my hair.
1: <laughs> so do you, yeah.
0: <laughs> I get really stressed. Yes. And actually it's probably a combination of what do you do for work? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, we could be here all day if I tell you what I do for work. And then I'm just like, I just want to lay back like, and I get really stressy. And I'm like, yep. can you just wash my hair and be done
1: with it? Yes. There totally. you go. That's so they, So It's going to change your world, Georgia. Oh, and if okay. it's really bad in some people, you ask them to wash your hair at the hairdresser forwards. So like, you put your head forwards into the thing and ask them to do it that way. Yeah. But I just, now I'm really, I, I tell the girls where I go to the hairdresser and they put a little like a rubber thing underneath and they yeah. keep my head more in flexion and I don't have any of the massages. Like I'm in yeah. in and out as fast as I can, but it it will change your world not having that go. long massage. I at love the hairdresser.
0: my hairdresser. I Yeah, he, he just does have a high rotation of people that do the hair washing yes. and and I always just thought it was me like just stressing about these girls asking me like what I do for work and oh that (laughs) this sounds terrible but when someone goes what do you do for work I'm like oh that's too hard to answer
1: (laughs) I'm a bit the same
0: so am I right in saying that if you do have hypermobility you're better off most definitely doing some kind of form of physical activity whether that be your dance or anything so that you can build the strength required in your
1: muscles to control your hypermobility in a nutshell definitely and you it becomes one of these things for you that you never stop exercising. Like yeah. it's going to be part of your life for the rest of your life.
0: Because in the past I've actually had parents who have children with um, whether severe or mild hypermobility and it's been, you know, diagnosed and they've stopped dancing.
1: Oh, my gosh. Worst and thing ever I'm like, ever Okay, and so I'm them. correct in saying because yep.
0: I've always said that's the worst thing you can do. You're right. She's better off being you know in ballet in a structured environment than doing nothing yeah like she needs to build okay so I'm on the right path definitely good definitely because I kind of thought oh like what are these doctors saying to them because
1: they're the sort of people too Georgia that you'll say to them if ever you stop dancing be it now or 18 or 35 or whenever you stop you have to find something something else else to do do. that you're going to keep exercising and keep especially that for that kind of stuff keeping the upper body strength
0: yeah When I stopped dancing, I started getting really bad back issues.
1: There you go. And sciatic pain. Yeah, so you lost a lot of your muscle strength that was supporting all of that. Yeah. I mean, you could do with your hypermobile kids in class, like make them do push-ups as part of their warm-up. Things like that where you're really working the upper body strength as well, which anything upper body supports right up into the neck. Yeah. And I don't remember what they're called, but you know when you do the big back bends, like swan kind of things on the floor. Like that's great because it's working that whole back chain and strengthening up the whole back. What about planks? fabulous
0: yeah if they're doing yeah. it correctly yeah. yeah yeah i'm a nazi about them doing it yeah. correctly but yeah we do yeah. lots of planks in this all that
1: strength work is really good
0: oh, well i think we've run out of time but i just wanted to say thank you so much for meeting up with me We've like been friends on Instagram and now we're real life friends. I think we are. I'm real life friends for life, I think, Georgia. I'm already trying to work out ways in my head of how to Skype chat with my students and do consultations (laughs) for pre-point assessment.
1: Well, I have many, many, very good friends. Lots of them ex-dance friends up in Brisbane and the Gold Coast. So So I'm always up there too. Oh, beautiful. A couple of times a year. So so maybe we'll organise We can organise a day. Yeah.
0: Oh, so exciting. I just
1: want to come and do class with you. Yeah,
0: you'll have to come do an adult ballet. I class. would love that more than anything. It's the best vibe and everyone's just so lovely. It's I great. I would love it. Yeah, it's good. So can you let everyone know where they can find you on socials?
1: Okay, fabulous. So I have two Instagram accounts, Dr Andrea Robertson, mm-hmm. where I give lots of nutritional and health information. And then I have the Bar Clinic, mm-hmm. which is where um, I talk about all things fitness and health mm-hmm. there as well. Um, Same two names on Facebook and then same two – I have um, website-wise thebarclinic.com.au. And And that's where you
0: can find your YouTube – I mean, sorry, not YouTube. That's where my
1: online studio and bar teacher training program is housed. And then um, I do take Skype consultations for nutrition and maybe we're going to be able to work out how to do this for pre-point assessments too. (laughs) But I do take those and that's through my clinic website, which is southsideclinic.com.au
0: great thank you so much Andrea it's
1: been a pleasure Georgia thank you
0: did you love that
1: chat just as much as I did
0: I'm always asked by parents and dancers what they should be fueling their bodies with so I'm sure this conversation was really helpful you can always check out snack and meal inspiration on the balance ballerinas Instagram and I would love you to join in the six week challenge which will be starting very soon So go follow Bounce Ballerinas uh, to stay tuned. Have a beautiful week, bunheads.